I am on. Good morning, Polaris. Come on, you twice as many people in this service as there were in a 930, and they were louder than you. Good morning, Polaris. I'm liking that. All right, uh, I've got a couple things I'd like to share with you this morning. Both of them are fairly personal. One is uh, a really cool thing that happened to the Simonitis family, which was yesterday. We dropped our oldest daughter, Camille, off at her first job. She is now gainfully employed and a productive member of our society. So, and I told her, unfortunately for her, she's not at a place where I can go and harass her. So, but if you would like to harass her, she is at the Skyview Lodge on Pearl Road. So, if you ever have any type of reception, anything over there, feel free to give her a hard time. In any event, uh, the other thing I'd like to share with you guys is something that uh, you should all know, or hopefully already know, is that uh, this guy up here preaching right now, I'm a sinner. There's no question about it. I know this to be true, and the Bible confirms it in Romans 3.23. I am guilty of painting false pictures of myself. I tend to let people see what I want them to see, and I uh, do a pretty good job on hiding the things, the bad stuff that I don't want them to see. I'm an elder here at Polaris. Uh, I teach Sunday school. I preach on occasion, like I am this morning. And I try really hard to make a good Christian impression on people. And in all honesty, I struggle a lot uh, to make that a reality. Uh, being truthful with everybody here, uh, I'm very judgmental. And if anybody knows me, no, really, yeah, I am very, very judgmental. Uh, I far too often ask God to take a back seat to a multitude of far greater things in my life, things more important than God, like uh, watching TV, uh, watching movies, uh, hanging out with my friends, uh, reading comics, playing my guitar, cooking bacon, things of that nature just to consume my time. And I say, you know what, those are all so much more important uh, than me spending time with God. I get jealous. Uh, I have lustful thoughts. I rely too much on myself. And when something good comes of something I do, I have a tendency to take on too much of that and give myself the credit for it. Uh, I question God. I tell some off-color jokes. And I let people down. That's the bad side of my life in a nutshell. I'm all those things because I'm human. And truth is, we all fall short of the glory of God. Even pastors like Alex, I know again, no, yes, even Alex, uh, priests, preachers, elders, Sunday school teachers, we all fall short uh, of the glory of God. And we do that because we're human. The question is, do we accept the shortcomings and continue on a path that leads away from God? Or do we look to God, ask for forgiveness, and continue on a journey on a Christian path? Now, Alex asked me to, uh, to preach a few weeks ago. He sent me an email. And uh, typically what I ask him is, I said, what do you want me to preach on? You know, what message are we on? And his response to me was, I want you to talk about your God journey, and, which is not a problem because I was there, so I remember it well. Um, but truthfully speaking, my story isn't that spectacular. I didn't have any life-changing, like earth-shaking things that happened in my life. Uh, um, I didn't hit rock bottom at any time. I didn't have any sort of epiphany. Um, my journey consisted of seeking answers to what I thought were very simple questions. But uh, apparently that wasn't the case. Um, it all started in uh, Solon, Ohio, circa 1975. I was at a church called St. Rita's, and I was in uh, CCD. Anybody here remember CCD? So you got a few people. Anybody know what the acronym CCD stands for? Nothing. I went to CCD up until I, I don't know, changed in like fifth or sixth grade and went to PSR or something like that, but nobody knows. In any event, I'm in my CCD class. I had a nun for a teacher, which was a very pleasurable experience. And they're also friendly. Um, but uh, so as I'm in class, we were going over uh, the Eucharist. 
And there's a transformation that is to happen once the blessing happens from the bread and the wine turning into the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. And so I'm in second grade, so grasping this concept is not an easy thing for a second grader. So as I'm sitting there, they're talking about this, and I raise my hand, and uh, none calls on me. I said, so, so what you're telling me is that that actually turns into the body and blood of Jesus. And she said, yes, it does. Again, I'm in second grade. I'm not buying this. So I let her talk a little bit more. I raised my hand again. I said, so wait, no, hold on. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me get this straight here. You're telling me that that bread and the wine actually turns into human flesh and human blood. And then we're going to eat this. This is what's going to happen as part of the Eucharist. And again, she said, this is the case. She talks a little bit more. And people that know me, if I need to get an answer, I will make sure I get the answer. So I push a little bit harder. And I said, so okay, let me get this right. Now, picture, this is a second grade class. She's not happy at this point, by the way. So I said, look, here's, what, here's the deal. If I were to take that after we do the blessing, and I take that bread and that wine, and I take it to a scientist, and I take it to a lab, and they analyze that wine and that bread, are you telling me that that scientist is going to tell me that it's actually human blood and human flesh? The nun didn't answer me, but at that moment, my parents were called out of service, and they took me out of the CCD class. That is a true story. If my dad were here, he'd remember it, because my dad was, not, was definitely not happy about that. So anyways, um, that was just the beginning of my questions, and I had a boatload more as I was working my way through some of the confusion I had. Some of the other questions that I struggled with is, why should I have to confess to a priest when I can talk to God directly. It never made a lot of sense to me. And then the other question came up is, who makes up the bizarre penance that you get for a sin? I mean, there's not even a hesitation. You can go in there with the most bizarre thing, and the priest will give you a penance right away. So I'm thinking, is there like a penance chart that the priest has that he can refer to? And if there is such a chart, I want to know if I can get a copy of it, because then if I'm planning on doing something that might not be quite right, I can take a look and know ahead what the penalty is going to be for my sin. So that was a confusing thing for me. And then the other thing that was really bothersome because I like to eat, um, pepperoni pizza on Fridays during Lent at school. You guys all know this. If you're Catholic, you'll understand this. Maybe you won't. My Methodist friends, my Baptist friends, Presbyterians, whatever they were, I'd bring my pepperoni pizza to the table, and it was like vultures because they knew I was Catholic, and they'd rip all the pepperoni off my pizza because I couldn't eat meat on Fridays. Never made sense to me. They got a benefit from that out out of my life. And then why do people kiss the Pope's ring? Ever, anybody question that? That just seems a little odd to me. Did when I was younger, it still does today. Why can't I find the term purgatory in the Bible? Why should I pray to a saint when I can pray to God? I mean, I'm all about eliminating the middleman on this. I can go directly to God. I don't need somebody to intercede on my behalf there. And is a mortal sin worse than a regular sin? Never understood those as I was growing up. So it was questions like that that I dealt with for years, and they caused me to question my faith when I was younger. And then I remember, and Camille, you're going to be coming close to this as you start to drive, but we'll know because we have a lot of people who are friends here at Polaris. When I started driving, I was able to drive to church by myself. Big mistake. Because going to church by myself meant driving to McDonald's, getting an Egg McMuffin, checking the time, swinging by the church on my way home, grabbing a missile from the back wall, Driving home and throwing it on a table when I came in the door to prove to my mom and dad that I indeed went to church. Don't do that. What's that? I don't know. Just don't. Don't take that, take that, take that message from your dad. So in any, in any case, um, my journey got both confused and frustrated me for years. And then there were two great people that entered my life. And they actually taught me the gospel of Jesus Christ. And with that new thirst for knowledge, I went in search of a church. And Christine and I bounced around into Medina. We were down at uh, the chapel in Akron for a while. 
Uh, but it, it, it was a thirst that I had, a new hunger for knowledge of Christ uh, that caused us to find First Christian here in, in Brunswick. And both my wife and I were baptized uh, in 1995. Uh, so that was 17 years ago. Is that right? Is that, is that right math or am I wrong? Is that right? 17 years. Can you believe it? That's how long ago that was. So this is quite some time ago. So we got baptized. And it was then that I truly began to walk with God. And I made a decision which path I would walk and which path I would follow. And so at that moment, I thought, now my God journey is going to begin. Now I'm baptized, and now this journey is going to take place. But then I look back, and I realize that my journey began when the questions began. My journey began at St. Rita's in CCD when I started questioning some of the things that were happening there. And all the doubt and all the frustration were part of that journey. And now maybe some of you guys have thought about this. Maybe some of you haven't. That's a possibility. But right now, we're all on a path. We're all taking a journey. All the trials and all the tribulations and the challenges and the heartbreak and everything that we're experiencing is part of our journey. And every morning when you wake up, you make a decision which path you're going to walk on and which path you're going to follow. And I don't know about you, but I think life is too short to be walking on the wrong path. Now I'm going to make a weird transition here for you. I'm going to start talking about gravestones. I have no smooth way to do that, so I'm just going to go right into it. You look at a gravestone... And there's two dates and a name usually on, on the headstone, gravestone, tombstone, whatever you want to call it. And it usually has the year that the person was born and the year that the person died. And in between those two dates, it's a small horizontal line. It's a type of uh, punctuation, which we refer to as a, a hyphen. And we don't think about that hyphen enough. According to that tombstone, that person's life began in one year. It ended in another year. So their entire life, what they did was encapsulated in that one hyphen. Their entire life is that hyphen. And the question is, what, ter- what did that person do between those two dates? What path were they on? And then you can question yourself and to say, how do we even know we're on a path? And if we are on a path, which path are we on? When those questions come up, you've got to think, where can I find answers to that question? So where can I find answers about my path in life? Where can I turn to to find an answer? And I'm going to tell you, we're going to turn to the good book, and we're going to look at the Bible. And I think Mark just got me hooked up, right? I can get slide one. Oh, my goodness, that's great. We didn't have that first service. All right, slide one here. Psalm 16.1 tells us this, and this is a great, great verse. God alone will make known to us the path of life. To me, that's pretty clear. Who is going to make known to us the path of life? God. Very simple, easy to understand. God and only God will show us the true path. And then when we compile that with the scripture right underneath it from John 14.6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. kind of brings that whole thing together. And I don't know about you guys, but when I take a look at these two scriptures, I feel pretty confident that God has a part in the path that I'm going to take in my life. I know what path he wants me to take. He will provide that path for me if I listen to him, and he is the way, right from the scripture, very crystal clear to me. Now, unfortunately, we don't always listen for God's voice. And maybe sometimes we do hear God's voice, but we choose to ignore it. Without his guidance, we stray way off course. And we walk off the path he's chosen for us. And then you have to question yourself. If God isn't leading you down that path, who is? Now today, we do a lot of traveling. I know my family and I just went up to uh, Michigan with our our great neighbors who are here today. And by the way, props to U.S. Food Service. Paulie gave me the shirt, and I love free clothes. Um, (laughs) But we went up to Michigan, and we even had a GPS, and we went horseback riding. Well, we didn't all go horseback riding. The guy stayed back and ate highly fattening, cholesterol-filled food at a diner down the road. But the girls went horseback riding. But even the GPS took us in a wrong direction. And we were out in the middle of nowhere in Michigan. 
And we use GPS all the time now to get places. It's kind of like the modern-day compass. If we want to go to a business meeting, we use a GPS so we make sure we're there on time. If we want to see our kids compete someplace, whether it's you know, cheerleading or you're going to a football game, a baseball game, we use a GPS, and we want it to get us there. The weird thing that I think is that we take these, uh, this GPS and we use it as a compass to get us places, but when it comes to our life, we don't seem to look for that moral compass. We try to make this journey without that. We won't get in our car and go somewhere without a GPS. There's people that won't go anywhere without their GPS now. Christine's brother, Brian, everywhere he goes, that thing's on. Left turn, recalculating. It drives me crazy being in that car. Am I right on it, MJ? Recalculating. But in any event, sadly enough, we live in a world today that has no moral compass. There's no normal when it comes to truth. There's no right or wrong, and it's scary because nobody knows where to take a stand nowadays. Take a look at that tragic shooting that happened in Colorado a couple weeks ago. I mean, was anybody as blown away by that as I was? I mean, how many people here go to the movies? I mean, this is, this is like these people were at some weird place in a compound or, you know, I mean, these people were just sitting in a movie with their families, and a guy comes in and throws his tear gas in and just starts peppering people. I mean, what kind of person does something like that? And where does their direction come from? What path are they on that would cause them to do something like that? And as a nation, we laugh at God's word and the moral truth he stands for. And it's nearly impossible to find that truth anymore. And the lines between right and wrong are getting less and less clear for us. And the foundation of our country is being eroded piece by piece. We can't seem to find that moral compass. Our society is showing us where uh, the compass is leading us right now. And we're a mess morally. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but I keep looking around and, man, it's just starting to seem like, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah. It just gets, it gets rougher and rougher out there all the time. We're getting further and further away from God's design every day farther and further away from the truth of his word, we're straying off the path that God wants us to be on. Now, if you want to be a genuine person who lives the truth and a person who has integrity and honesty and knows where true north is, then your life must be built on truthful principles. And it can't change every day like our culture is changing. Your life must have a moral compass and a clear path. Slide two. In Psalm 51... The Bible tells us this. Surely, God, you desire truth in our inmost parts. And I think, of all the, I think that all of us have a desire to find answers to the spiritual questions we have in our life. Mine started at a young age, and I'm sure you guys have some spiritual questions now. Life is a lot better when we get some of those things answered. And it's those questions that ignited my God journey. We all want to know the truth because we believe Jesus' words where he says in John 8:32, the truth shall set you free. I think we all desire and need and, and to want to feel the freedom that that can give us when we have truth in our life. Now, here's a, here's a little feel-good story for you guys, all right? And at the end of this, you'll have, all have a collective, oh, okay? So here's how it goes. Father comes home from work one day, and he's, just, he's had a long, rough day. He just wants to sit back in his lazy boy, have something to drink, something to eat, and just, just relax and kind of let the day kind of pass by him. So as he does this, um, he starts to get a little bit relaxed, but alas, he has a very energetic and a very questioning six-year-old daughter who comes up and starts asking daddy question after question after question after question, and it's impossible for dad to get any peace and quiet and rest. So as he's reading the paper, he looks and he sees a picture of the world in the paper. So he takes it out and he tears it into some small pieces and he gives it to his daughter. And he says, honey, here, do me a favor. Why don't you go in the other room and see if you can put this kind of puzzle back together for me, and when you're done, you can bring it back to me. So she's all excited. She says, okay, Daddy. So she takes the papers, and she runs out of the room. So now the dad's thinking, ah, oh, half hour or so of rest and relaxation. I'll be good. But a few moments later, the little girl comes back into the room. Picture's all put together perfect. 
Uh, Dad looks at her and says, well, honey, how did you get it together so fast? That was a pretty complicated thing you had to do. And she said, Dad, it was easy because, you see, on the other side of the paper you gave me was a picture of Jesus. And when I got Jesus in the right place, the whole world came out all right. Nice. Point is, let Jesus guide your choices. Let God's word create your value system and let Jesus lead your life. Allow him to direct you where you need to go. And yes, we're going to mess up. We're going to fall down. We're going to have issues and problems and we're going to sin. God understands that. It's all part of our journey. God is not going to abandon you. He's there to pick you up and guide you. But you need to let him do that. Here's another good verse uh, about seeking the real truth. And this comes from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. There's a lot of references in the Bible to the word path. A lot of references to the word guidance. God wants to guide us. He wants us to be on that path. He wants to walk with us. And the path that God is calling us to walk on is one marked with honesty and integrity and morality and truth. That's the path you should want to walk and that's the path you should take. I'm going to take the last part of this and I'm going to talk to you guys just a little bit about family because uh, family is a very important thing to me. And it's become a, is and has become just a huge part of my God journey. Um, I believe that growing up in a God-centered, loving family is just vastly important for a solid foundation in that family. And I encourage everybody to do as much as they can with their kids. Get to know your kids' friends. Get to know who they are, what your kids do. Like, we take car rides. We sing songs all the time, and they're goofy songs that my dad taught me and I pass on to my kids. We sing at the house. We cook, we laugh, we eat, we pray, we go to church together. Do things with your family. Talk to them every day. And remember that you have each other, then each one of you matters. Stand up for your family and love one another. Each one of you is needed to be a very solid part of that foundation. Now, Christine and I have three kids. One's in the back, standing up which is apropos, that's David, getting accolades, and then Anna and Camille are sitting here as well. And I want to plant a seed in their mind that family matters. And I want to leave a spiritual legacy that gives my children a clear path of faith in Jesus Christ before my journey here is over. Now, faith in Jesus does not, and I'll say that again, it does not mean a whole bunch that you're here in church on Sundays. To me, this is not about faith. Do I encourage you to go to church? Absolutely. I think everybody should go to church and grow in Christ and share with others. But to me, this is not the big part of it. It's what happens the other days of the week. It's what happens outside the walls of this church because faith is 24-7. Faith is not just Sunday mornings. It's not just Sunday school. It's not just at Bible study. Faith is 24-7. And faith is not private, but it's personal because your relationship with God is personal. But God does not want you to keep that relationship private. You guys understand that? If you keep it private, you're keeping God to yourself. And that's not what Jesus wants us to do. Jesus does not want us to keep our religion and our faith to ourselves. He wants us to go out and teach other people about God's love and his grace and his mercy. And that's our job as Christians. Faith is an individual choice that each one of us has to make. I can spend all kinds of time at home and I can talk with my kids and we can pray and we can read the Bible. I can do all that stuff. But the decision is up to them whether or not they want to follow Jesus or not. I can't make that decision. I can talk to my friends at work. I can talk to people I meet anywhere at parties and stuff, and I can share my faith. I can stand here on Sundays and preach to you guys. But ultimately, the decision is yours. Faith is very personal. And there's a verse in the Old Testament where Joshua calls uh, the people of Israel together after years of being led by God, and he says this to all the people about the future. And you guys are going to finish this verse for me because you all know it. You don't know, it, don't know you know it yet, but you do. This comes from Joshua 24, 15. It simply says, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve 
But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. That's the foundation I want for my family, to know in their hearts that our home is one of faith in Jesus Christ. And this is the path I want my children to follow. Now, the older I get, the shorter my life seems. And I want to leave a legacy uh, of faith and a path of truth and love for my family and my friends to follow. And God is calling us all on a journey. And all our journeys are different. All our individual journeys are going to be very different. But all of them have meaning, all of them have design, and all of them have purpose. And so often in life, we can, we can let the, the things that are in life just weigh us down and keep us from seeing our true calling. And we've got relationships that give us problems. We've got stress. We've got setbacks, unemployment, tragedies. All this stuff can cloud our vision of what God wants for us. And it pulls us off that path. And God does not desire stress and tragedy for us in our lives. Sometimes we may think that's the case, but it's definitely not the case. If I can have slide four up there, please. We're going to take a look at John 10.10. And so often when I prepare for my sermons, I read scripture and and it never hits me the same. This one here, I've probably read it a hundred times and didn't mean as much to me as it did this time as I'm referencing it. John 10.10 simply says, I came so they can have real and eternal life. That part, always the same. It's the second part of that that just hit me. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. Think about that. More than they could ever dream of in their life. That's what God wants for us. Our eternal life is more than we could ever imagine, more than we can dream of. And how cool is that? Because I got some pretty wild dreams. And if some of these things come true, I, you know, heaven's going to be a pretty cool place. But that's what God desires for us, an eternal life that is better than anything we ever dreamed of. And we all have dreams, right? Anybody here not have dreams? I'm not talking about sleepy time dreams, because those can be bad. You know, you get nightmares, you can't control them. What I'm talking about are dreams of your future, dreams for your children. <clears throat> Dreams of your expectations and your aspirations for what's going to happen in your life. Those are the kind of dreams that God is talking about in the gospel here. That's what he's telling us, that this is more than we could ever imagine. That is a fantastic thing. And I hope your dreams do not include, like, tragedy and stress, because if anybody's daydreaming about tragedy and stress, we got to do some praying together, because that's not the right way to be dreaming, okay? And sometimes I do need a reminder about where real life and life changes come from. Sometimes I get in this rut, and I feel like I'm further away from God than I want to be, and, and I'm focusing on things that are unimportant, and sometimes I need a kick in the pants, and you know what? God's there to give it to me. Sometimes I, my feel, I feel like my life is a train wreck, and I just can't get back on the path that I was on. And it's at those times I'm the person that I described to you at the beginning of this sermon. It's at those times that I feel that the things I do are just, God is just not smiling on me, and I am trying my hardest to get back to him and to find him. And I tell you what, sometimes that's the roughest time for me and it's the hardest time I have finding him because the other things in my life seem to be stronger and pulling me away from where God wants me to be. And that's a difficult thing for me. And that's when you need people around you and you need fellowship and you need people to go to. And as Sandy talked about the prayer groups, that's the kind of stuff that keeps you back in focus with God and keeps you on that path. And if you do find yourself steering off of that path and you feel that you're walking alone, and if you want to really have a better life for yourself, I encourage you tomorrow morning, Wake up with Jesus. Before your feet hit the floor, ask him to lead you. Ask him to guide you. Before your feet hit the floor, ask him to help you love people and see the future clearly. Ask him to help you live a life of integrity. And then ask him to help you with the tough stuff that you have in your life. And before your feet hit the floor, thank him for all the good stuff we have in our life. So many times we go to God in prayer and we ask him to help us, help us, help us, help us. But how many times do we stop and just thank God for the wonderful, most awesome things that he provides for us in our lives? And lastly, ask him for the faith and the strength he needs to keep you going when times get tough.
We were created to follow a different path than society is showing us. Society's path is foggy and it's misleading. God's path is clear. My journey has been one of many ups and downs, tons of questions. But my journey is one of purpose and one of design, and I know that to be true. I encourage you to listen for his voice and allow him to put you on a clear path. Embrace the journey and let God lead the way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, as we gather here this morning, Lord, we are uh, humbled by your grace and your mercy, Father. And, uh, and we pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit works in each and every one of us, Lord. We pray that... Uh, uh, you enter us and allow us to be on the path, Father, to show us that clear guidance that we need. And, and so many times it's foggy and it's misleading, Father, and, and it's through our prayers that we hope, Father, that you do clear that up for us and give us the strength uh, to follow that path, Father, to keep us uh, on the straight and narrow and to be with you, Father, and to listen for your voice and allow you to guide us in our lives, Father. All this we pray in your name. Amen. Uh, we're going to have a time of uh, prayer at the foot of the cross, and this is a time if anybody has anything that they need prayed upon or over, uh, I'll be down there, and I'm sure somebody else will join me. And uh, it's just a time of, uh, uh, um, of prayer that we can uh, come together as a church and offer that prayer and, and bring God's healing upon us.